Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Brian Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Brought to you by Superbook partnered with Mile High Sports here and partnered with my good friend Swipa Cam at Swipa Cam on Twitter. We are doing this show on this Sunday in between some of these games that have been going on around the NBA, but most notably between Denver's Game 3 and Game 4. We're going to preview this a little bit. We're going to see what happens in tonight's game, Game 4. But Swipa, just want to see how you're doing, man. How are you doing on this fine weekend so far? Well, I'm having a great weekend. I think that this has been a great week of basketball. If you are a Denver Nuggets fan, you have been waiting, anticipating, and hoping for this time of year, not just for this year, Ryan, but really the last couple of years, ever since AG was traded to the Denver Nuggets. And you've gotten a chance to see what this team looks like fully actualized. And I'm not going to lie, I think it's even better than expected because I think there are some things that we've seen that give you more long-term hope then some other things. And I think they have found a formula for success. And I really think that this team's peak is yet to be seen. So I'm really excited about what the Denver Nuggets are doing. They're doing some great things, and, and they've taken this seriously. This isn't the, the Nuggets of yesterweek, I guess. Like the, the, the last week's Nuggets that would uh, kind of uh, run through the, the regular season a little bit and, and just, just – kind of lollygag at, at various points. This is a group that is very focused. They are intense. They are locked in. They are aggressive. And that's earned them a 3-0 series lead so far uh, through three games, including in this last game three that, that I got to witness personally in Minneapolis. And mm. it's it's been it's been great stuff, man. They, they approach that as professionally as I've ever seen them. And it's really nice to see them take that mentality on the road, which is something that they just haven't done much of so far. So why don't we discuss some of these three games in depth just a little bit more in this first segment. Second segment, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about game four. Uh, and the final segment, we're going to go around the league so everybody knows. Uh, we're we're going to talk about the Suns a little bit. We're going to talk about the Warriors a little bit. We're going to talk about all these other Western Conference playoff matchups. I guess the Lakers kind of fit into that rundown somewhere. But But first... Let's talk about Denver. Let's talk about the first three games of this series. When you think about the first three games, what, what initially comes to mind for you? What initially I, I, I stands out in this series yep. and, and why Denver is up 3-0? So funny you asked that question, Ryan. I think one of the first things is I put this on my Twitter yesterday. Right. Mr. Numbers Guy, Mr. Stats Machine himself. Some may say an analytic guru. Some may say. So what I – I found on basketball reference, did you know that the Denver Nuggets have the fourth best defense so far in the first round and they have the second best offense so far? I did. I did. It's crazy. I think what the great thing is, Ryan, is that all that stuff when they went eight and 10 in their last 18 games and everybody was worried about after March 3rd, like this team is fraud. You had some beat riders picking the Timberwolves because the Timberwolves, they just came off a grueling match versus the championship caliber Lakers team. And they put up a good fight versus them. And here you go. They beat OKC with Shea Gilgis and the Nuggets don't look good. They don't play any defense. What are they going to do about Ant and Cat and whatever, whatever? And then, Ryan, they basically came out in every single one of these games and punched them straight in the mouth. It would double-digit leads in each game as well. And, and let me – let me I would love your insight on this because I think the reason I'm excited for what the Nuggets are doing is that we know that their peaks are 
Jokic can go and have a 41-15 and 15 game if need be. Jamal Murray, he's hit one of his peaks. He had a 40-point game on great efficiency in game two. Uh, but really outside of that, you know, he's averaging 27 points a game on the series, had a nine-assist game with 18 points last game. And then you got Michael Porter Jr. getting 25 and nine. But I, I think the thing for me, Ryan, is that I feel this team is playing very flat, like meaning like everybody across the board is playing at a high level and they have flattened their numbers out so everyone can take care of their responsibility at the highest level. Because I'm watching Bruce Brown dominate. I'm watching Christian Brown dominate. And Ryan, Jeff Green's had some really good moments so far in this series as well. KCP, yep. what do you have, 13 points in the first half in yep. game three or something like that? And then outside of a 45-second, you know, collapse where he had two turnovers and, you know, fake shot, a three-pointer, and got the ball stolen, all this other stuff. Like, And then AG's had a really good series defensively. The way he's been able to play versus Cat, you know, even versus Anthony Edwards at the time, versus Conley. Everybody seems to be, like, buying into their role at the highest level. And this includes Joker. Joker's only averaging 20 points a game right now. But I think it's because Joker has figured out what he needs to do within this Denver Nuggets team in this series and he's just operating at a crazy high level, but it's not the best joker you've ever seen. So I feel like everybody right now is like, we know we're good enough. We know we have what it takes, and we're going to prove it by playing together. And playing together, we possibly may be able to sweep this team that people thought would give us fits. It is really funny that that people were talking about the Nuggets as a team that could get upset, that, that they could actually lose in this first-round series when – it was pretty clear that for those last couple of weeks, for those last couple of months, even that they they weren't trying, they weren't thinking about it. And like I've seen the gear that this team can reach. You've seen the gear that this team can reach. It's drastically different from anything that the T Wolves or the Thunder or even the Lakers have really reached so far this season. And it does feel to me like they were overlooked. And and whether whether you think that they needed to prove it or not, I, I don't really know, but. I do understand why people were a little bit hesitant with them initially. Uh, you're right about it being flat. You're right about it being a, a widespread amount of success within the rotation. Denver's going with this eight-man group right now with Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and Christian Brown off the bench, and they're mixing in all their starters, whether it's Jokic or Murray or Porter or KCP or Gordon. All of those guys have found ways to fit into different lineup combinations. And I've liked a lot of the groups that they've thrown out there. Part of it is because, hey, you just want to play your best players. And in the playoffs, you're able to do that. If it's a short series where you get a week off in between, you mm -hmm. certainly can do that. So it's a very exciting thing for this Nuggets team to be able to come up with different combinations, different players, different styles. And everybody has had their moments so far where – They've had their shine. I, I think back to last night with Bruce Brown in that third quarter. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is shadowing Jamal Murray. He's face guarding him in the corner. Jokic is out with three with uh, four fouls. MPJ is on the bench. And Bruce Brown takes over a little bit. Mm -hmm. He back Carl Anthony Towns. He goes at Rudy Gobert. He goes at all of his matchups and just takes over in that moment. And you don't think of Bruce Brown as a takeover guy, but he can fill a role. And the Nuggets needed that role, and he's absolutely capable of doing it. So they've got a lot of guys that are capable of doing a lot of different things. And that versatility, I think, yeah. makes them a, a clear-cut championship contender this year. By the way, again, fourth-quarter takeover, just like we have for Michael Porter Jr. a game ago, Christian Brown, yeah, two-way player. He had six points to start that fourth quarter, Ryan, and they were huge. I'm talking about finishing layups over Anthony Edwards, finishing underneath, finishing. Around. I mean, the dude is just able to play at such a high level. And I noted this, Ryan, the defense that he's played either on Anthony Edwards or Mike Conley or Kyle Anderson and even Cat at times. I, I think that the Nuggets, like Michael Porter Jr. said, they're really lucky to have him. And I think Calvin Boots is looking better and better and better the more time he plays. And Michael Malone mentioned it. You know, he made a mistake in the game in the third quarter, I think, maybe in the second quarter, uh, on, a, on a switch on a three. Uh, but I think that was Mike Conley as well, and he accepted responsibility. Michael Malone talked about this. You know, if he were to make that mistake and then I didn't play him and benched him, what would that have done for his confidence? And so I think that the fact that they're showing so much trust, I think is really, really, really so beneficial for the rest of the roster. And, Ryan, to the point on the minutes, even if you feel like they played heavy minutes at the time, Porter played 40 the last game. I think Murray played about 38. Listen to this. Jamal Murray in a series averaging 36.7 minutes a game. 
Jokic is 34.7, Caldwell Pope was 33, Porter's 33, Aaron Gordon 29, Bruce Brown 26, Jeff Green 25, and Christian is only at 13.7. That's not crazy. And especially given the fact that Kevin Durant is at 44 and Devin Booker's around 42. And they, again, we'll see how the Clippers come out in game six or game five, but maybe they're able to put something back on there. Maybe Kawhi plays if he doesn't play. If they can extend that series, that's even more minutes. So as I'm watching the Nuggets execute at such a high level, I think tonight especially there is an opportunity for them to close this game out and almost going away in the fourth quarter because you know sometimes teams are down 3-0 in the playoff. They can show really, really, really tight grit, but as soon as you get to the third quarter and you're down that 12 points, you're down that 14 points, instead of fighting for your playoff life, which you do down 2-0, maybe at that point in time you're like, look, we just don't have it and we're down 3-0. I don't know if we can keep fighting like this. And then maybe the Nuggets can extend it and get even more rest hopefully in the fourth quarter. But uh, really, we'll see, man. I'm just – I'm so incredibly happy with how everyone has performed. And I think even if there's – even the things that I have found that they haven't done well at times, it's only happened in pockets. Like, you can't categorically come out and say they played bad outside of the, that entire quarter where they gave up 40 points. But, Ryan, how crazy is this that a Nikola Jokic-led defense has basically had, out of the 12 quarters so far, 11 – Elite to very good defensive quarters for the most part. That's huge. And they gave up wow. 23 points last game. And the only reason it was 23 is because they shot a last second three pointer with like 25 seconds left. So I'm just telling you, man, like they're they're showing a different gear that we knew was there. But now I think the rest of the NBA is like, all right, all right, maybe they're a little bit better than we thought. Now I do want to dispel that just a little bit just because it's it's the Timberwolves there's a difference between the Timberwolves and the Suns and and if it's the Clippers then it's the Clippers but it's probably the Suns uh they're like the Timberwolves just being here they want to go home they they are so tired of this shit they would love nothing better than to go to Cabo and separate this team at least for a little bit and it's it's a frustrating place for them to be but I, I do I do agree that the Nuggets have done this to them it's not like the Timberwolves have have made mistakes along their way to the Nuggets uh, lucking into the second round. The Nuggets Mm -hmm. have put their foot down in this place, and they've been able to make it work. Uh, Let me ask you this. Who do you think is the most interesting Nuggets player through three games so far? Mm, Man, I'm not going to lie to you, brother. I mean, we might both collectively be agreeing on this. I think it's Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Porter has – he has shown – so much maturity is the first word that comes to mind. And Ryan, his execution of his play style, he is not just chucking up three-pointers. He is getting to the rim. He's using hesitation. He's playing give-and-go with Jeff Green. He's passing it off to Christian Brown in transition. And then on top of that, he's hitting very timely clutch shots. Again, game what was that? Game two, the Nuggets are down going into the fourth quarter. He goes on an 8-0 explosion by himself. Yesterday, he closed out the game with some three-pointers, with some stuff in transition. Porter has just, even in the interview they did on ESPN the other night, they asked him, you know, your big three is all going off. You're all playing well. What are your thoughts? He said, no, man, we got a big 10. We got a big 12. Whoever's playing that night, they all, we all contribute to this team in the same way. So I'm just really encouraged by what I've seen. And it's just his maturity and professionalism that I think has maybe moved him up uh, even in another tier as how he's being viewed as a player potentially through this playoff run. He's taking a step forward. He he has he he's not being taken advantage of defensively right now. And that's that's another thing where uh, yeah, the Timberwolves could be attacking him more. I think Anthony Edwards if he wanted to could be like he could try to switch onto that matchup a little bit more and go at him in ISO, but it's just not like the same level of success that that teams were having against him previously. Like mm-hmm. I know that Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Kevin Durant are going to test him in, in, in the next series. And he's going to have to respond to that challenge. But I, I don't, I haven't seen anything that leads me to believe that he won't at least have some success in, in that particular matchup and be able to get some stops. You don't have to be perfect. Nobody's asking anybody to be perfect, but right. if he can get some stops and, and just stay on the floor, the offense is legit. The offense has taken so much of a step forward and you're right about the drives and the creativity and the handle and all of that aspect of it. 
how often have we seen him actually drive like this before? It's just, it's a completely different aspect of his game other than the outside shooting. And honestly, the outside shooting he's taking with confidence. Some of those shots that he's taking off the handoffs and, and then off the catch are immediately catch and fire, immediately receive and jump and fire and, and shoot it over a guy, even if you've got a, a pretty solid contest on you. And that is so legit. That is the, the confidence level of a shooter. And that is a guy who understands how important he is to the overall role that he's playing and that he's he's willing and able to get it done. It's really good to see this. And, and I'm very excited to see what he continues to have in store for the rest of these playoffs. I mean, right now he's averaging 29 and one on 54% from the field, 50 from, the, from uh, three. You know, only 71% at the line, but he's only taking two free throws a game. So, you know, like Jokic is shooting, I think he's shooting, what, uh, 58% from the from free free throw, but he's only shooting four attempts a game, which is wild yeah. given how much he's been inside. I mean, I, I really, like that last game, Ron, I just couldn't believe my eyes that Rudy Gobert was holding on to him as much as he was. He got zero free throws. So I think Porter's been excellent. His rebounding has been excellent. His defense has been very good. And his help defense has also been good. It's his size and athleticism that's really aiding them. And, again, you know, everybody's always asked these questions about the Nuggets and their defense, and I've said the same thing all year, Ryan, about the Suns that they made the KD trade. All right, y'all keep telling me about the Nuggets defense. The Suns are not doing anything to stop Norman Powell for 42 points and Russell Westbrook for a 30-point triple-double, and Kawhi Leonard is cooking them, and, and, you know, Eric Gordon is cooking them at times. So all this stuff you're talking – Hey, man, all right, we're going to see when it comes down to it. But I think Michael Porter Jr. has met the expectations, and I think he has more in his system. Looking forward to it, man. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, game four and, and, and some of the other encouraging parts of this series. But first, everybody, you know this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Uh, you know that baseball's back. I'm sorry, Rockies fans. That's probably not super exciting, but – For anybody else that follows baseball and the push for postseason in hockey and hoops, make it all count with Superbook. They are the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager on the app. Uh, Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love on the podcast, folks. We've got a nice audience in here. Make sure to go give this a like on Swipe It Cam's channel if you're if you're watching there. And if you're watching on the MHS YouTube channel, make sure to give it a like there and, and, sh- and share out the pod as much as you can. Those always help. Those always help the channel for sure. All right. Let's now talk about most encouraging parts of this series for Denver it's we've we've kind of hit on some of this a little bit, but I want to do encouraging aspects, and then I want to do any red flags uh, that you potentially have. So, a- anybody in the comments section, if if you've also got yours, then you can chime in as well. Uh, but right now, I think for me, the most encouraging part of this series is the defense, like you've talked about. It's the ability to step up to the mantle, match up with a guy who's a really talented player in Carl Anthony Towns, and really just make him obsolete in a lot of different ways like Aaron Gordon I wrote about it today on milehighsports.com make sure to go check it out he's held Carl Anthony Towns to 16 points per game like the dude is so talented and yet Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green I want to give Jeff Green credit there too uh, those guys have done a fantastic job in general on Carl Anthony Towns and deserve a lot of credit but that's for me the defense Uh, what what is it for you that you're most excited about from this series yeah, um, I want to say this, that uh, Nikola Jokic right now, um, the way that he's playing defense is noticeably better than he was in the regular season. 
And I think, you know, you still have to worry about his foul trouble. I was actually going to make this argument, Ryan, and I don't know if anybody has uh, a more valuable foul in the NBA other than Joker because when he gets in foul trouble, everybody's like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen now? But, I mean, I love what Malone did. Malone has made so many great coaching adjustments that when he's needed to play Porter, he's like, all right, Porter, get in there because you're better. Look, I think the thing is Malone has shown that he trusts Michael Porter Jr., more than maybe we ever have seen him. That's so encouraging. 40 minutes led the Nuggets, led them in minutes in the last game. And I think on top of this, the defense, KCP, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon, and even Jamal Murray in different points in time, they have just all shown that, look, man, like you're not about to get by us easy. And if you do, hey, Anthony Edwards, you're going to have to work, 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 work to get there. And even, you know, when Anthony Edwards has a good game, like you expect a player that good to do that, just like you expect it from Jamal at times. So the, the defense has been encouraging. Uh, I love the way that they have been able to play together. And I love the fact that they just are very confident in, in the way they're playing. And I think they're on a mission. I think that's been one of the most encouraging things as well. It is really interesting to see just just the way that Denver has handled this moment, the way that they've come together on this. Uh, I wanted to pull up uh, Jamal Murray's defensive numbers on NBA.com because I was very I was interested to see what he was doing while guarding Anthony Edwards this season. Let me just pull this up real quick. Um, okay, playoffs, playoffs. This is not what I wanted. Play in, nope, playoffs. Uh, currently... Anthony Edwards is shooting four of 14 from the field and 0 of five from three while being guarded by Jamal Murray. Mm. And I don't, I think that's kind of gone under the radar. I think that's gone under the radar a little bit. And I know a lot of people talked about Jamal Murray's efforts and his ability on defense during the regular season. And I understand it. He was making some bad plays and sometimes not making enough plays, but he has elevated his game just as much as anybody else on the defensive end. And, when you have so few defensive weaknesses, it makes it so you can always like put out good defensive lineups. And when Jokic is playing with the effort that he is, when Murray and Porter are playing with the effort that they are, it's always going to give Denver an advantage when their stars and, and their offensive stars are playing defense too. Uh, that's a, a really exciting aspect of it, and I hope for – the sake of a future series, possibly that those guys continue to put up great numbers there. You got to just keep contesting. You got to just keep playing hard. But that to me, like the defensive aspect of this has been really, really good. Uh, Jamal's defense, MPJ's growth, uh, Aaron Gordon, basically negating (laughs) Carl Anthony Towns has been great. Uh, Any other encouraging aspects for this before you want to go to red flags? Yeah, um, that the fact that Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, and Jeff Green are winning their minutes. Yeah, that yeah is, that's a big one. Matter of fact, let me ask you this question, Ryan, Mr. Analytics Guru yourself. <laughs> Which Denver Nuggets player is leading the team in plus-minus this postseason? I think it's Bruce Brown. It is. It is Man, Bruce Brown. How crazy is that? How big is that? It's so wild. You know, Bruce but, was one of those guys like – his numbers with the bench the entire year were horseshit. They right. were so bad. <laughs> and, and, like, it didn't matter the combination. When, when Bruce was out there with the starters, the starters were great. Like, like he fits so well with the starters. There's no doubt about that. But one thing that I think people sort of dissociated from was the fact that Bruce, he fits well with Jamal Murray. He fits well mm-hmm. with Michael Porter. He fits well with Aaron Gordon, KCP. He doesn't just fit well with Jokic. So when you have multiple starters that are playing with the second unit now, it rounds everything into form a little bit. And I, I think that's probably the biggest reason that and just like having a certain amount of urgency when Jokic is off the floor, there's no let up. And, and I think the team is guarding against the fact that they, they really fall off when, when Joker's not out there. Yeah. And again, you know, they're not playing around either because when Jokic wasn't out there in the third quarter, they went Murray, MPJ, and Gordon, and they put some two other rotation players uh, with Jeff Green and with Bruce Brown or KCP, and they said, look, we're, we're going to win these minutes, and they did, and they came out and, and they, they did what they were supposed to do. So I think Bruce's ability to attack the rim was probably one of the most underrated and unheralded aspects to his game when he was signed in the offseason, and we've seen him go at Carl Anthony Towns on multiple possessions, go at Mike Conley, 
And really, the Nuggets are proving as a team that they're not scared of Rudy Gobert because every single one of them have gone at him in some ways, but in a smart way. Could Aaron Gordon in a regular season would get the ball in a dunker spot and he would just try to go up on Rudy? Well, if Rudy is stationary and doesn't have to move, then he's going to use his best asset, which is rim protection. But if you get Rudy on the move, you try to get him at angles, that's when you can actually have an advantage. So the fact that AG is able to guard up and play against Conley at times or play against Ann at times, but then he can play against Carl Anthony Towns. It gives you just so much hope for him as a defender with the rest of the roster. So I think Bruce Brown and the bench have been probably one of the most encouraging things because you actually are like, all right, bet. You have a better bench unit than the Timberwolves. And if you do play the Suns, the Suns, the reason they are starting their, their starters to play in so many minutes because their bench is terrible. Yeah. It's horrific. So if you got Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and Jeff Green, you have a distinct advantage there. I think you're right. I, th- I think you're right, and that's a that's a big deal. We'll talk about that in the third segment a little bit. Uh, red flags for this series. I saw a couple come across across the comment section. Foul trouble. Uh, that's definitely mm-hmm. a thing where uh, because Denver's rotation it, it's a little bit deeper than Phoenix's rotation, but it's still pretty shallow in terms of okay, you need Jokic out there, you need Aaron Gordon out there, you need Jamal Murray out there. Uh, Michael Porter dealt with foul trouble in Game Two. It's one of the reasons why his his game in, in, in that fourth quarter was such a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but in general, that's that's one thing that I would be concerned about. And the other is just like, hey, Phoenix drew 44 free throws on the Clippers the other day. Like they're going to get to the foul line against Denver too. And, and that's just like you, you don't want to make things any easier for the other team if, if you can help it. So that would be my one big red flag so far. What do you do? You have another big red flag? Yeah, it's definitely the foul trouble. That's a huge one. The other one is, is will their defense remain elite to very good when their shot making dissipates? Mm. Because with the Nuggets, historically, that's been the connection. That What happens if they can set their defense off a made basket? They're great. But they're not great when they have to transition back because of transition or because of either live ball turnovers or because of missed shots. And so – I want to see that they're able to still do that at a good enough level to where it doesn't completely destroy them. Maybe tonight in game four, but also in the next series versus the Suns or the Clippers, that they're able to take advantage of those matchups, get good shot quality, and then set their defense. But again, that's the biggest thing because the Nuggets, because Jokic and because Gordon, because Murray, Porter, like you just don't want to get them on their heels. You want to put them in a position where they're facing up the, deep, the offense and then they can make all the decisions with everything happening in front of them instead of trying to get back and scramble. Because we've seen when Anthony Edwards had run in this series, he scored a lot of points. Yeah, absolutely. That that was probably the biggest, Den- uh, biggest defensive weakness for Denver was the transition defense. And they they did a pretty good job with their half-court defense, or at least good enough that it, that it wasn't like a big issue. The big issue was when when they let teams get out and transition. Now they didn't let it go that much, but when those teams did get transition opportunities, they were pretty, pretty amazing. And and part of that is because Jokic is not a good transition defender. Like he was mm-hmm. always a take foul guy, and, and I think that rule has definitely hurt him probably more so than just about anybody because uh, he has to defend in space when when guys are like it's just layup lines and when you're when you're trying to move back when he's trying to move backwards and jump. Like he just doesn't cover a lot of ground, and that's fine. But I, I do think that as long as they can avoid those opportunities, as long as they can avoid turnovers, those are the things that really kill you. Uh, and then make sure to prioritize getting back, even when you miss a shot. Uh, they, they'll be okay uh, on on those things. Those are those are red flags, but I think that they can be correctable. You know. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see. I think a lot of this is just playing smart and playing within yourself. Now, the start of the fourth quarter, remember Bruce Brown and Christian Brown had them live ball turnovers Yeah, where you were just like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you know, again, Christian Brown never makes mistakes like that. He tried to, like, do, like, an up-in-the-air bounce pass and, like, ricocheted off the basket transition. And then Bruce, I think Bruce looked somebody off, tried to drive to the basket, got the ball stolen, and then, again, two more points. So just slow down on playing outside of yourself. I think if the Nuggets play – because, again, Murray, his biggest thing is that he over-dribbles. Like, remember in the start of that game, he was just, yeah, like, was over-dribbling? Bad. Yeah. But he rarely does that. You know, yeah. like, Porter, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Had Porter done something bad this series? I can't even think about, <laughs> you know, what it might be. Uh, and then Jokic in that third quarter in game two, 
you know, when he was like pump faking, pump faking, you know, hedgy, 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 try to get by Gobert, lost the ball. Yeah, just just too yeah. much. So limiting that stuff, I think, raises their ceiling. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's just, hey, be the right team. Like, the, do the right thing. You're, you know what you're the right thing is. It's not going outside the lines. It is just doing, like, like everything. Yeah, no, I think J.K. Walrus is right here. Bruce Brown hitting his floaters has been a guy. Has he step. missed a floater? <laughs> it's it's so funny, man. Like, I, I was I was pitching and moaning so much during the regular season about that. And lo and behold, just goes a hundo P. Uh, on the uh, on the floater there, so that that is been, remember the one the, the Jamal Murray dump off, and he like caught the ball, like and then yeah. as he turned and then the shot to the right hand opposite direction. <laughs> I remember that one. That was that was in game one, and I was like, okay, yeah, that's one that we can write off and say that's. And if you're if you're a Minnesota fan, you're like, okay, you can write that off. He's not doing that again. And then he hit every single floater for the rest of the series too. So. Right. Uh, but we'll see what happens tonight in Game 4. Actually, let's transition to that right now. Um, game 4 tonight. Don't want to spend too much time on this because there's there may not be a lot to talk about. Uh, the Timberwolves are backs against the wall, 3-0. and Nobody's come back from a 3-0 deficit before. And if you're the Timberwolves, like, the Nuggets have just, like, every single turn they have outplayed you. Uh, do they have any hope in, in winning this game tonight? Yeah, of course. You know, it's an NBA team. Um, I think the thing that Timberwolves fans and some Timberwolves analysts that chose Timberwolves in this series, uh, even when they were down 2-0, is they look at their talent. They're like, we got Anthony Edwards and Carl and Rudy and Mike Conley. Like, why are we, you know, we should be able to win versus this team because it seems like the talent advantage is not as great. So, yeah, I mean, they got a lot of talent. But honestly, the Nuggets should be like, look, we've never swept a team in 45, I like think 45 years or whatever else it is. Yep. Let, let's just get it out the way. Like, let's just get it done. Go ahead, end the series now, get a week off, let the Suns do whatever they're going to do, and then you get ready for that next series. And again, you know, if the Clippers decide they want to come out and beat the 98 Bulls with Russell Westbrook and Norman Powell, fine. Great. That's even better for you. So I think that the, I think the Timberwolves have a path. I just think it's so clear that the Nuggets, they might just be the best team in the West all the way around. And if that's the case, then yeah, you always have a chance. But it's all the Timberwolves, maybe like the Nuggets versus the when they had Shaq Harrison and Monte Monte Morris and Faku Compazzo and Will Barton and Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard, versus, baby. <laughs> versus the 2021 Suns. Remember, the Nuggets had a path. They just had to be perfect. Yeah. I think the Timberwolves would have to be perfect. And the Nuggets would have to fall off a cliff, I think, for this to happen. Yeah, I I think something that Michael Malone said a couple nights ago really rings true. It's more about Denver. It's it's just more about the Nuggets and, and what they do rather than anything of, of what the Timberwolves do because the Nuggets just have a higher level than the Timberwolves have, and, and that's always going to be something that persists in this matchup. It's, it's, a, it's a problem that Jamal Murray can guard Anthony Edwards credibly and Ant cannot guard Jamal Murray credibly. It, it's a problem that Rudy Gobert can't really stop Nikola Jokic because great offense beats great defense every single time. Like – that's always going to be like how this series goes. And then add in the Michael Porter dynamic where he's just been unbelievable. Like if he keeps playing like this, there's no reason why Denver can't be the best team of the West. There's no reason why they can't come out of it. And, and I do think that they've come up with every single solution that the Timberwolves have offered a problem for. Like they, they've definitely been proactive in that, knowing what the Timberwolves are going to do and meeting them at the pass. And that's that's the most important thing for a veteran team, for a team that wants to do what they're doing. So they haven't gotten behind the eight ball at all in this series. The only time was when they, they got down in the first quarter of game three. And that was it. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, they were down, I think, two to seven at one point or whatever it was. And the Timberwolves, I think they were like, all right, we're going to punch it in the mouth. We're going to punch it in the mouth early and throughout the game. But I think that's the, that's the crazy thing, right? Like, the Nuggets are just – man, I, again, they're just a little 2014 Spurs to them, man. Like, they're just kind of like – they're going to just do their thing. They're going to execute at a high level. And as soon as you start making it close, all right, 15-point lead, 12-point lead, 7, back to 10, back to 12. All right, 15, 12, 10, bound to 3, back to 8, back to 10. They, they let you get so close, and then they just out-execute you for three minutes, and then you're done. And I think that's kind of how they play. And I honestly think that might be their MO. 
you might be able to hit really high individual ceilings, Anthony Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns or Devin Booker or, D- or Kevin Durant, but I think they are like collectively as a team, we're going to play stifling defense and perfect offense for about three to four minutes, and that's going to be the decider almost in every single half. And they've done it. They have done it pretty much every single time. It's a it's a very important aspect of this that every time the Timberwolves have, have called on them, they've answered the they've answered the call. They just yeah. have. And I do think that it it has made the the T Wolves fans especially like they don't have any belief. They they it just didn't at the end of that game three. There was no way, despite the fact that there are three to five minutes on the clock. There was nobody in that building that thought that the Timberwolves were going to win. It was crazy. I did not did not know that. I didn't. Mm-hmm. It's it's never something I've experienced before, uh, just being in in a road team's arena like that. So it was pretty cool. It, it's a pretty cool feeling to be on the other side of that. And and I know that Denver, they they want this really badly. They know that if they get out of this series early, then they have a really great shot of getting out of the West. But they've got to do what they've got to do. And pretenders don't sweep teams in the playoffs. I think people need to realize that, like, if you look at basically, like, even recent modern NBA history, if you're sweeping teams at the top seed in the West or the East, I mean, that typically says something about you. Now, again, I'm, I'm not referencing the Philadelphia and Net series. I think that is just like in – that is just – the Nets shouldn't have been in the playoff. They were only there because Kevin Durant basically had them going 20-2 and two for, like, a 22-game sample size, and they made it in by the skin of their teeth. Mikhail Bridges, and that's just not an actual playoff basketball team. And Embiid didn't have to play in game four. So, like, we're not even talking about that. But I'm talking about playoff viable team but good talent. You just don't do that, man. So – I think the Nuggets can make a statement today. They can make a statement to themselves, more importantly, that we have what we need to get where we want to go. All right. Tell you what, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss some of these other Western Conference playoff matchups, including the Suns and the Clippers and and everything that's going on there. But first, if you guys want a good reaction to this Western Conference playoff field, to everything Nuggets, to everything even even Avalanche, Rockies, uh, Denver Broncos, their, their draft is coming up in I think just four days or so. Make sure to go check out Afternoon Drive with Anil Apiro and Cody Rourke. Those guys do a fantastic job of covering the entire league. Cody's our, our uh, Broncos beat reporter, doing a great job of uh, just has really good inside sources on, on all of the Broncos stuff that you're looking for. But Adilo's great. He knows what he's doing. He uh, understands everything about this town, understands what this town wants to hear, and, and their show is fantastic. So make sure to go give them a look on 107.5 HD3, but make sure it's 98.1 FM if you're on the radio, or you can stream live at milehighsports.com or check out any of their episodes and post on anywhere you get podcasts. Just search Afternoon Drive with Anilo and Cody. All right, we're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Weekends with Swiper Edition on this Sunday. Really appreciate all the love, folks. I've got a nice bump and chat in here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on this Sunday afternoon. All right, let's check out Western Conference playoff matchups now. Uh, most importantly for the Nuggets are is the one that they are facing potentially in the next round. We'll we'll save that one for last, but. I do want to talk about this one. The Lakers are now up 2-1 over the Memphis Grizzlies. And, like, that's a frustrating one if you're a Nuggets fan. I I think everybody just doesn't want to see the Lakers have any success at all. And they've been able to have that success uh, partially because of the the injury to Ja. uh, Actually, not in Game 2, but because... Memphis obviously won game two, but mm-hmm. towards the end of that game one, I, I think that the Lakers went on that big run, partially because the Memphis Grizzlies could not score. Uh, but now you're down 2-1. You've got another game in L.A. What's the one thing that stood out to you watching that game, Swiper? College-level offense is what it looked like <laughs> for the Memphis Grizzlies. Just terrible shot-making uh, Dylan Brooks just doesn't make any sense as an offensive player. I mean, just a bunch of things, man. I just think uh, I, I just think that's who they are. I think 
Offensively, they're a mid-team. The Lakers offensively are a mid-team. I would not be surprised if Memphis comes back and they win game four. And that was 2-2 going back to Memphis. So I just think, man, like the Lakers have a high defensive ceiling. I don't – you know, man, I don't know, bro. I'm, I'm not a Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura and D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt. Like I know those are good individual players, man. I think LeBron is is not the same player, obviously, that he used to be. I think Anthony Davis is very iffy. I don't know, bro. Like, I just don't – I'm not a high believer. I, I picked the Memphis Grizzlies in six. I think they can still win that series. But Memphis is also another team that doesn't make sense. They literally barely won the Minnesota Timberwolves series last year that they should have lost. So this yeah. is just who they are. They just play very inconsistently. Tyus Jones gets on the court, and he's starting. And all of a sudden, again, they look like the 2004 Detroit Pistons. And then John Morant comes back, you know, one of the top 15 or 16 players in the NBA, and then they get schooled again. So I have no idea what to make of that series. It's funny, man. They, uh, I, Both of those teams, I'm sure, have countless hatred for each other. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I hope that John, like, I mean, the, the way that he played in game three, there, there's definitely a, a way for the Grizzlies to win that series, but it probably comes with winning game four. And, and your team's just got to show up. Like, you got to shoot better than 30% from the field if you're the rest of the team. Like, come on now. This isn't this isn't brain surgery here. You, you've got to figure out how to put the ball in the hoop. And Luke Kennard's probably got to play more. Dylan Brooks has probably got to play less. But when you do that, you're leaving yourself very vulnerable to, uh, on the defensive end. So it's going to have to be something they look at. It's going to have to be something they figure out. But – I think I would probably take the Lakers in this series as it currently stands. Like they just have the advantage. I, I think that they win game four. And then even if Memphis does win game five, it's it's just going to be too hard for them to come all the way back. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have the offense to do it. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not really too high. I'm either one of those teams right now, unfortunately, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that series, the series unfolds. Let's now move to the Sacramento Kings being up two one. Over the Golden State Warriors, game four, as I mentioned below, is currently in progress. I think the Kings are up four at half. But I just checked that box score. They've got one free throw attempt on the road against the Golden State Warriors. It is so clear if, if you're a fan of the third eye <laughs> that, that uh, you're, you're, you're understanding what's going on and then what the league's, uh, what the re- what the league's really looking for here. But uh, I'm just so impressed with the Kings, man. I think they're fantastic. I think what they've done – Putting pressure on the champs is a really big deal. Uh, I think that this series is going to go the distance. There, yeah. There's just a lot that is is going on in this series right now. And, and with the Draymond suspension and Golden State still won, he came off the bench in this game that's going on right now. We're going to see what happens by uh, about an hour from now. But it is really fascinating to see what's going on in this particular series. It's probably the most fun series of, of them all. Yeah, I mean, I had the Warriors winning in seven. I think that it's going to be a two, two, one, one, then win. So I think the, the I picked predicted Sac will win both home games. Golden State will win both home games. Sac will win at home. The Golden State will win at home, and then Golden State going to win on the road in Sacramento uh, before the series started. That's going to kill those fans, man. Those fans are going <laughs> to be so mad. It's going to be brutal. Oh. <laughs> But I think beating Steph Curry, like, that's just going to be really hard for the Kings. But they could do it. If they win today, that series is over. It's, I think it's over. I don't think they're coming back from 3-1. So um, they better get that win today. I think they have the talent, too. But I'm just telling you, man, I just, you know, it's just so funny to watch the narrative change about all the teams to further get into the playoff. And now it's like, oh, well, the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Suns. And then you're looking at their, their, their series, and you're like, they don't look all that impressive or they look – one team might look a little overrated, you know, all this other stuff. So, you know, it's just it's a lot of different things. I think Golden State went to series, though. It's crazy how different DeMonta Sabonis and Nikola Jokic look when going up against Kevon Looney. <laughs> like, that's that's one thing that really stands out. You see a lot of people compare Sabonis and Jokic to each other, but I do think in general that, uh, <laughs> like, I, I think that that's just not even a contest. And then that real, real folks know that, but, like, it's – it was funny watching some of the Kings fans be like, yeah, Sabonis is actually not that far away. He's actually pretty good, but is some of these games and, and from him are just Yeah, just Sabonis is, is Jokic without the IQ, without the bag, and just without the – even defensively, just without the footwork, all that other stuff. Like, I think Sabonis is really good. I called him Jokic light for a couple of years, but uh, the only thing him and Jokic have in common is the fact that they are both uh, non-melanated brothers uh, in the NBA. <laughs> 
non-melanated brothers. Perfect. <laughs> uh, finally here, Phoenix Suns. They are now up 3-1 over the Clippers. This is just a sad series. Sad, like, sad. I, I thought that this was going to be competitive. I thought, okay, you get Kawhi, you get PG, and, and if, if they could just survive long enough in order to get PG back for like – I don't know, game four, game five of this series, then then they could they could make it they could make something happen. But uh, as it turns out, uh, Kawhi Leonard goes out after two games. They earned one win, and they, they just I think all the momentum is now going back to Phoenix, and that's probably where that series is going to die. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, bro. I have just if Kawhi Leonard was here, I think the series would be two two right now. But if Paul George and Kawhi were here, I think that's the whole conversation about the series is different. The Suns are not an impressive team to me right now. Their shot making is incredible. I mean, on game three, I think the Suns shot 32 of 50 from mid-range for cleaning the glass. So that's great. But they live and die by shot making. Their shot creation is not great. Their defense isn't great. Their POA defense isn't great. Their interior defense isn't great. But they will outshoot the Clippers with no Kawhi, no Paul George any day of the week. And Norman Powell had 42 versus them. So I'm just telling you, man, I think that if – We'll get to that point when we get to that point because we're going to have a really interesting conversation. But, um, yeah, I think the Suns are going to win the series, and I think it's going to be on the fact that Kawhi Leonard uh, had an unfortunate knee injury and Paul George, you know, got ran into at the close of regular season. Yeah, it's too bad. It's just I, I do think that just having bigger bodies to match up with both Kevin Durant and Devin Booker would be such a big deal uh, because you see some of these lineups that they're throwing out there now. And, like, uh, Mason Plumley, I think, finished the game this last time, but – you had Bones Highland. You had Norman Powell, Eric Gordon, Terrence Mann. You had Kawhi Leonard at the five. Kawhi at the five at some of those minutes in game two. Like, it's crazy to think about. And and they just don't trust Robert Covington. And, and whether that's right or wrong, like, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, those guys should probably be really big in this series, and then they just, they just haven't been. So uh, if you're a Nuggets fan, Denver at least has some guys that I, I think you can match up physically with. Uh, against this Suns team, and are they going to make Kevin Durant's life a living a living nightmare? No, no, they are not. Like Kevin Durant is not going to see anybody on Denver uh, unless Aaron Gordon can really get into his body physically a little bit. But we're going to see. Just Peyton Watson slander from Ryan. <laughs> you you don't know what I got, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. I, I I just I I wish that this series was two two because it feels like right. it should be two two. Yeah, you know, and we'll see. You know, like I said, we're going to get into all that, but I, I think the Suns sh- clearly should win that series. I think the Lakers, they might end up winning that series. I think the Warriors are going to win seven. So I think those are going to be your four teams that are move- advancing and moving on. Well, if that's the case, you've got like, – you, you said you said Lakers, Warriors, Suns, and Nuggets. I want to say the Memphis Grizzlies would still win, but they need to win game four. But right yeah. now, I think I would give the slightest to the Lakers. It's hard. Like, I just I, – Clearly, the Grizzlies didn't like they didn't take that seriously or not seriously enough, but they just weren't ready for that. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. But if if that were to happen, and and if Denver was able to like, kind of rise above that, then and Lakers, Warriors, Suns, Nuggets. Good lord! You know that some television exec is like, God, get those guys out of here! Get them out of here so hard! Like, there's uh, those those three teams are are the the superstar teams in the mm-hmm. Western Conference, man. And you get one of those teams facing the Boston Celtics in in the right. East. Oh man, I'd say that would be a a matchup dream if you're a television exec, and probably if you're Adam Silver too. But I don't know, man. Like Denver, they've they've got to figure it out. They've got to got to get through that. Uh, Coastal bias, that's for sure. I think it's just so funny that the the, the the shot-making guard everybody should be leading into and doing all their little specials on, it should be Jamal. Because Jamal's going to be that dude going back and forth with Devin Booker or then back and forth with Steph Curry or whatever else is going to be. So, yeah, man, I, I think Jamal Murray, I think, you know, as he said the other day, it's not two separate people. I, this is who I am. I think this is going to be a clear indicator of the next, you know, today and then, you know, next round. We'll see. We will see. Uh, let's wrap this bad boy up with some takes from the future, my guy. Uh, last week, we didn't really do takes from the future. We were doing uh, we're doing convos with Adam and Matt and, and having some great conversations with those guys. We might have another one of those stored up in the future. I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think we, we, might, we might be trying to do something with those too. Uh, I know that that episode was very well received from everybody, so make sure to go check it out. 
Uh, but takes from the future this week. Uh, we don't have one to, to look back upon this last week. Do you want to start or would you like me to start on our takes from the future? Takes from the future, the Denver Nuggets sweep. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves get some much-needed rest, uh, and they come out like a blitz, uh, blitz rig uh, in game one of the second round. Mm. I don't know what the schedule is going to look like for, for next round, but I, I think you're right that there will be at least one of those games played. And gosh, you took my take, man. You took my take. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Okay, now I got I to gotta get into a little bit more detail. Um, I think Nikola Jokic leads both teams in points in game four. And which is which is kind of a big deal because like with the way that Jamal's played, with the way that MPJ's played, with the way that Anthony Edwards is playing, like those guys are are fantastic. And you've got the defensive player of the year or three-time defensive player, however many times he's won it, on the other side with Rudy Gobert. I think that game four, Nikola Jokic says we are done here. And and he puts up a bunch of points, fouling out Rudy Gobert in the process and just like makes life easy for the rest of the Nuggets in the process. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at Elimination Game Joker. Um, and if people are not familiar with Elimination Game Joker, um, he is a different monster when it comes to their closing out series. So, I mean, we'll see. I, I think that Joker absolutely could have a spectacular game. Um, if you look up his numbers, that what he's done when he's facing elimination, the last elimination game we saw was last year versus the Golden State Warriors. He had 30, 19, and 8. And they dang near won that game. Um, if Jokic had one more person yeah. come along the way. So, yeah, we'll see. Ryan, you could be right. He was so good in that game. It was too bad. He he was dealing with injuries in that game, too. Like, he rolled an ankle at the various points and just couldn't move and and was still giving buckets to whoever. It, it just did not matter who. So that's, that's a good one right there. Well, this was fun, my guy. Uh, really appreciate everybody for hopping in the chat bumping chat for this episode having a lot of fun with the crowd uh michael can you hit that outro music for us uh everybody that is going to do it for this episode of weekends with swipe up pickaxe and roll uh man just lord willing everybody stay healthy and hey Denver nuggets fans ride the wave this is maybe the best time to be a Denver Nuggets fan that you ever experienced. So enjoy the ride. It's going to be fun. Support your team, support your players, support your content creators, and we're going to keep it moving. Keep the vibes rolling. Positive for tonight. Let's see if Denver can pull out a winning game for everybody else. I'm Ryan Blackford. Make sure to go like, subscribe to both of the YouTube channels. Pickaxe and Roll, Weekends with Swipe Up, Mile High Sports. We out of here. Thank you so much.